I promise you, they'll be back. I turned her in. I, I should be rewarded. You lie to me and expect Imperial favor? He's not lying. bunch to talk about. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me in Denver is the Daniel Mothershed, playwright, actor, and pop culture enthusiast. That's true. This is the sound of my voice. Mothershed, we have a guest again. Yes, sir. The TJ Wilson's with us. Hey, hey, hey. TJ is a personality typing expert and pop culture uh, savant. Gets to the heart of some characters quicker than, uh, than most. I'll take that. And always has his his opinions are always fifty percent right. I mean, just just <laughs> spot on. Fifty percent of the time, it works every time. Talking tales of the Jedi. This just got released. We are three days out, and uh, as often is the case, we take a breath, process a minute, think through the property. Here's our take, uh, which I'm really excited to talk about this one. Lots to talk about in terms of the specifics, but there is something to be said about just a big overview of what works here. Uh, you'll you'll notice in recent episodes, I'm I'm trying to grab hold of positivity. Like, you know, well, what's the good thing here? What works here? What what can we cheer about, y'all? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's what the state of Star Wars. But there's a lot to cheer about in my mind. We we just did a whole episode that was, I'd say, mostly positive. Again, I'll be the outlier. I, I have tons of stuff that stood out to me in these six little animated shorts. Um, but I would love to just jump in in terms of like the thing that you saw. You were like, you know what? That That's amazing. That, that really worked for me. Uh, what, what are some of the first things that come to mind? Well, we, I, I know we alluded to it in in the, the first or the last episode we did, but really just how good this looks Truly was the first yep. thing I, I thought of watching it. Where this is the animation is beautiful. It looks like watching artwork. You know, I mean, it looks like it's yeah. a painting. Yeah. And I love how they how they do that. Yeah, regardless of what story they're telling, the the visuals of this, the the way they draw the characters, the the animation of the fights, the like every. It, the way this whole thing looks, all, what, 48 minutes of right. screen time here is is very pretty. Like, it looks interesting, and I liked watching it. To build on that, yeah. it's not just that the quality is really high, which it absolutely is. You need to watch this on the biggest screen you can find. But secondarily, they are getting the Ralph McQuarrie vibe spirit down every single time just every single time mm -hmm. even when they're moving into different worlds which we've never seen before and saying yeah. man we gotta picture some younger versions of jedis we've seen in the future in these older settings and try and make it feel like star wars it's, it's 
they're there. I'm in. Yeah. Well, and 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 speaking of world building, like that, like even showing us familiar places, but showing it in a, in a way that we haven't necessarily seen it before, like like uh, Yaddle follows Dooku to another part of Coruscant. Yep. That's like like the the dirty industrial part, yep. but it's still Coruscant, and 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 now it's it feels like a totally new setting of a f- of a place that has been familiar to us. Which is just more we keep talking about wanting and enjoying at the same time world building, and mm. that does that perfectly. There's a lot of world building with Coruscant that's happening in the two properties that I feel like are out right now, and I love it. I agree. I am not a fan of Coruscant in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of Coruscant in uh, Andor and in Tales of the Jedi. It's like they are Agreed. They are not just showing that this is a powerful New York City-ish in, you know, planet that has has uh, all the all the people of influence are there. They're showing you the CD underbelly as well. And they're showing you mm-hmm. the industrial area, and they're showing you essentially the docks where the gangster characters are getting together and and pulling strings. But then there's also yeah. like shops and 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 sort of the 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 shopping centers and sort of the Chicago Mag Mile type of things. Where so I mean, yep. it's just it's like a, all the things that are in a major city we're now seeing, and it's not just where the corrupt political crap happens. Mm-hmm. Or those two buildings that we focus on in all of the prequels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To preempt our next episode on Andor, there's a scene where one of the characters is going down in an elevator. He's clearly in the upper levels of Coruscant. And this is how the world is structured. And we've seen this in Clone Wars Season 7. But apparently, the further you get lower, you know, the seedier, the uglier it gets, the further down. So you need to be, you know, up in the high rises in order to be the affluent. But those who are living near the bottom are, are having a hard time. And they did some character building with with uh, one of the characters in Andor where he's in an elevator and he's just sinking. And you're like, oh, brother grew up poor. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it took me a minute. Yep. <clears throat> one of the places that I really feel not only the quality of animation, but the world building and this is Star Wars, is the use of droids. And they're creating mm-hmm. new droids, yeah. and they're expressing so much emotion about how you ought to feel about the location through how the droids feel. Because as we have said in the past... Uh, droids are people. <laughs> they got some <laughs> souls. Mm-hmm. And over and again, they are using the droids to communicate emotion. Although I would like to acknowledge that there is no C-3PO or R2-D2 in this, so I don't even know if it takes place in the same universe. (laughs) Is it Star Wars? I didn't see anybody I recognized. (laughs) Where was Lando? When you see... They they paired a couple of droids in ill repair who either had a malfunction or they were running out of juice with some skinny dogs, you know, in the alley as it were, in one of these episodes. And I'm like, that's what it is. The skinny dog and the droid that has not had attention recently are the same thing. Mm. Yeah. That worked for me. One thing that really I really enjoyed is all of these episodes had just two locations. 
they had kind of like an introductory location, and then they had the location where most of the action was going to take place. And they just kind of mm. made it simple like that. We're yeah. here, then we're there. And, and like two, and, and honestly, two or three main characters too, which yep. is just kind of just real nice, compact storytelling. Focused. I bet you if you saw the script, so normally when I print out an episode of The Clone Wars, it's three or four pages mm-hmm. of script. I bet you the scripts for these are a page. There's limited sure. dialogue. And just tons of uh, <laughs> camera angles and stage direction and, and directions, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mad Max Fury Road does this as well. So much of the storytelling mm-hmm. is visual. And you know what's going on, but they do a lot of the storytelling through grunts or brief dialogue and a lot of music that tells the tale they're trying to weave. And those sorts of that's a very George Lucas way of telling a story. So the the thing yeah. that I kept thinking watching this is this is what George Lucas really wants to would have wanted to create if he didn't have to create a world in the process. Because so much of mm-hmm. Lucas's dialogue is exposition. <laughs> here it's just all, let me make you feel a certain way. Right. Uh, all the all six of these, right? Written by Dave Filoni? Yeah. Right. It, it, is, I think so. I, did, I didn't notice another name on the writers, did it? No, uh-uh. So this kind of feels like the first all him thing. Yeah. Which is exciting. They continue... And Filoni is like the best person in the world at this. Continue to make episodes one through three a skeleton mm. on which to hang much better stories. Mm. Yaddle is a throwaway character. She just is in that first episode. This is not only is it, it just an ugly puppet to look at. It's <laughs> I, like, I'm not to shame. I really, Racist. <laughs> it's what is this is what my heart says in those moments so not shaming anyone (laughs) it's a piece of plastic obviously tell that to frank oz muppets are people too especially in the star wars universe (laughs) she is not a top 100 character 10 days ago yeah yeah no absolutely not and especially because like basically everything that we know about her prior to 10 days ago is is as a side character in stuff that only fanboys know about. And, and then you see this other character and you're like, Oh, it's Yoda with hair. That's it. That's the only opinion that I have about Yaddle. Yeah, you, you, you beat me to that comment, honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's Yoda with hair. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's brilliant in terms of storytelling, because in the same way that when you first see Grogu, there is uh in an actual story as opposed to in The Phantom Menace, there's the immediate buy-in because, hey, that looks like a character that we've had years and years and years to spend time with and fall in love with. So there's a a kind of an immediate buy-in and interest and concern for Grogu before you fully understand his story for this character, for for Yaddle, particularly in this, because of how much we love Yoda. So a lot of the work that you would have to do to have that emotional buy-in with a character, I think it's done just because of how much she does look like Yoda. I think that's brilliant. Hmm. One, I agree. And two, we could have had that same experience with the puppet in episode one because we already knew Yoda as well. And But we didn't necessarily feel that way. But here we do. And they just didn't 
They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything with Yoda in it's episode a, one. Like <laughs> he's there, but he's worthless. Truth. That's truth. Um, man, so many times I'm rewriting the prequels in my my head in terms of you know where they should have started. You know what they could have done. You know what would have been awesome. Um, but. Well, and that's all this is. It's just it, Dave Filoni can actually do it. Right. Dave <laughs> he Filoni, can take this stuff and rewrite it. The It ends up being, and just to circle back to the point, you can't move episode one through three. It's a skeleton. The real question is, can you can you dress up the skeleton? Can you put flesh on it that gives it a heartbeat, that makes you care about it, that makes you want to embrace it and say, oh, this is something that, that I treasure. And it, for me... This was just one more of those moves with Yaddle, with Dooku, with Sidious. All of them just bring body to this period for me. Totally. Last thing for me is just uh, I thought I thought they nailed, and we can talk about this. The we in our last episode we we talked about how, or two episodes ago we talked about how Star Wars needs to talk about contemporary issues, and they are talking about populism and the heart behind populism and the desire for revolt in ways that I think are really important. Mm. And they're showing that sometimes the people get really pissed off and do drastic, stupid-ass things. And if those in power don't understand that, they, it, there, there has to be balance. There has to be some sort of insight, wisdom, a functional society has to have real safeguards or else, you know, you teeter too far to one side and and everything begins to become this pendulum that we're experiencing right now. And that's really unhealthy. And there's a lot to say there, I think. And I think that, like, like this one also gets, in a big way, this one gets into uh, understanding the, the people. Yep. Like, it, it's it's really easy to forget like like when when you're one of the voices in the room that's making decisions for an entire galaxy, mm. it's really easy for to forget the people that you're making those decisions for. Yeah. Like you, you can you can focus in on your ideals, and and you can or or even focus in on your job. Like if your job is to maintain peace and order throughout the galaxy, and and sort of you you do that sort of at the behest of the of. A governing body but like you aren't really under their control technically well what if the entire universe thinks that you're just the police force for the senate then then you've gotten off mission yeah and and like if, if you aren't listening to what the people are saying then then you're not you're not doing a good job of leading and and this show is commenting on that i think in a yep. big way where episode one and two are interested in trade federations, you know, and, and spitballing the separatists. Like here you're seeing mm-hmm. actual people who are pissed off and rightly so who are starving, whose, whose lives are miserable and would rightly have a reason to say, I don't think that my senators care about me, which is right. a primary here. And then you yeah, have idealists right. who step into their mix and say, you do have something to be really upset about, and I'm going to fight for you as best I can. Right. All of that seems to be worthy, respectable motives. And suddenly you, you have things, as we see, kind of spinning out of control. I agree. Boom. Well, let's, um, we could flip a coin on this one. 
There's some some Dooku episodes. There's some Ahsoka episodes. I'm inclined to want to start with Ahsoka because I think there's less to say about these. Uh, we, we, yeah, let's start there. I like that. On the Ahsoka front, you got an origin story. It's an identification. She's a Jedi. And I, I thought that first episode was just, again, kind of a visual storytelling. It was beautiful. It was a painting. There wasn't a ton of depth there, but it was but it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Did you see anything? Was there anything worth talking about in that first episode? I thought it was fine. I think it, I think it looked great. It felt like a story we've seen before, not necessarily in Star Wars, but in lots of other properties. Those types of those archetypes of characters, those archetypes of situations, those archetypes of ooh. Through this bizarre circumstance, we realize that this baby has magic powers. Mm. So it looked great. It was fine it didn't do a ton for me you know she's gonna be fine you know you know she's gonna be fine yeah. that that big mm-hmm. tiger thing no stakes it's not gonna kill her like come on yeah. you know you we've even if you have a tertiary knowledge of who she is she's gonna make it also in the trailer she grows up right. to be rosario dawson <laughs> like well, that, that that's a thing that we're, we're actually having a lot of conversations about that with with a ton of media lately because so yeah. much of what we're watching that w- so much of what's being put out is prequels. It's like, you you know that Galadriel's not going to die. There's never tension about that. You know that Isildur's alive because there's no tension about that. There, there's, you know that Ahsoka doesn't die as a baby because Ahsoka is actually the focus of, as a teenager and young woman, like that she she's going to live. I have no tension in this situation, but her mom might die. True. That was interesting. Um, it didn't do a lot, but the one big thing it did for me is that, like, you never see, there's a, there's a bunch of younglings at the Jedi Temple, who obviously get murdered, and that's the whole thing. But but like, there's these kids, and there's different races and different different species, and like, there's there's all these different people, and with the exception of Anakin, how the heck did they get there? Mm-hmm. Like how, who who identifies them and says, "Oh, that person's going to grow up to be a Jedi. We need to go claim them and bring them back to our temple to get murdered." Like, what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, the, seeing seeing the cultural aspect of of this race of people, and and just them going about their normal lives, and and something happens with one specific person and and like this person is going to be different seeing the context of that i i feel like was really interesting and like we're we're not going to see her grow up probably but but seeing that 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 origin seeing that that moment where someone there was like she has magic powers and she has a future i like that and seeing the Tegruden people in their element, in their space, thriving. Mm-hmm. We, we've, you know, we've seen one other Tegruden Jedi. We've seen the Tegruden people in slavery, in, in mm-hmm. Clone Wars. This, to yeah. my knowledge, is the only time we see them in their space, living their lives, going mm-hmm. about their day. So in terms of what we keep talking about, world building, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. In terms of the story, it didn't do a ton for me, but world building wise, top notch. Mm-hmm. That's worth naming because in Andor, we're going to see a people group whose religious traditions are under assault by the imperial spirit, mm-hmm. as it were. The empire's strategy 
is to create imperial celebrations that replace their indigenous culture. Um, there is a shop. That sounds familiar. I feel like we've seen that in history. <laughs> might, That's some be. Andrew Jackson shit yeah. right there. There's a shopkeeper who uh, says, here's an artifact from this culture. The language is gone, but you can make up the meaning for this saying on this artifact to mean whatever you wish it to be because there is now all this stuff that's been lost from from these indigenous cultures, which, as we experienced in that first episode, are beautiful and healthy and rich, mm-hmm. and the people ap- apparently are happy. And that's not necessarily something that you see once imperial control comes in and starts making a pyramid out of everything. There's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of joy to be found in Star Wars. Yeah. In general, and this is kind of one of the few moments of, of this baby is born, and that's exciting. And, well, she's old enough now to be taken out on this dangerous hunt. Well, that seems like a terrible idea, but glad you're excited. The joy comes right. only when autocratic forces are destroyed, specifically when the leaders are, die. You know, <laughs> like that's the joy. Yeah. But not here. It is yeah. the, like it's we're part of it's it felt very Lion Kingish to me in terms of here's the circle of life. Let me tell you, like there was a lot of Lion King. It felt like in yeah, very in what they were Pocahontasy kind of kind of dances with wolvesy avatar-y. I suppose on mm-hmm. on that front, a lot of the actors it it looked by their names looked to be native people, and it's and and a lot of the music obviously had heavy influences on that front, and that's where they were going. Mm-hmm. That's the right way to do that. I thought that was a good move. Only other thing worth saying there is I got emotional when Ahsoka's riding the saber-toothed tiger back into the town. I, I thought that was a beautiful shot. It just it felt powerful to me. Um, the fact that the tribe is even like getting together and saying we need to go find the baby who got taken by this tiger as though you were going to find something that was alive you know, this is just a fool's errand. Yeah. Or something to find at all. <laughs> yeah. So being the ch- father of, a, of two uh, children, you know, if, if my one-year-old got taken by a large cat, I'm not holding out hope at that point. And to see, so I suppose I was internalizing that. And the way that they constructed the image of her, it was very Western. It was, you know, it was the man with no name saddling into town, on a horse very slowly coming in and that that felt to me like the imagery there and i was like uh, you know damn she's a badass is is like it's <laughs> how that worked for me i had more of that reaction in the scene where she kind of stands up to the tiger yeah stands i mean she's a baby dude so maybe who knows if that's what she knows she's doing but in the scene where she sort of stands up and looks at her and the 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 tiger realizes maybe there's something special about that kid or something that it, that was i didn't necessarily get emotional believe it or not but uh that was the moment i really liked and thought mm-hmm. demonstrated a lot of power the the coming in riding the tiger i actually thought was a little kind of i'll tell you what helped what what helped me in that scene of her connecting with the animal was the fact that they had the animal injured. Mm. That did so much mm. to creating humanity between the two characters. Very small. The the animal has clearly been shot in one of the arms, and it just it added an element. And you see that with Grogu wanting to heal people who have been hurt, and in that in young Force users. Yeah, that that was my favorite scene 
in this show, the the baby Ahsoka alone with the tiger. Bang. Well, anything else on this one? I was uh, I was watching it with my two year old. Ah. And um, there was an interesting perspective there because like like the like when 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 the the baby boops the tiger on the nose and <laughs> like like riding the tiger back in there there was a like a big part of what was happening for me during all of that was don't worry it's okay like like assuring my two-year-old that this tiger is not going to hurt the baby and um was she watching yeah okay. yeah she was uh and and she was fully engaged and then the tiger comes in and you could tell that she got a little bit like she scooted closer to me she's still watching but she's she's scooting closer and closer and like you could tell you could just sense that she was getting a little nervous and it's like no it's okay she's gonna be fine she grows up to be an adult it's it's a whole thing um but like like assuring her throughout that and also recognizing that like i, I there's a ton of stuff that i am actively involved in and engaged like new media that i can't watch with her and it was really nice to know that i could watch this with her and also it was challenging, like the, yeah. the, that idea of like incorporating death into a lesson from from that young was something that like really got me thinking about like how how am I going to teach my two year old about death? Like mm-hmm. how how am I going to talk to her about about her grandmother about like when our 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 eight year old dog is eventually going to pass away and how are we going to talk about these things and like like being clear about incorporating this material into into how she understands life like that that was that was a part of it that really stood out to me about this first episode it's like like this one moment is something that can be so much bigger for so many of us i like that yeah i like that a lot yeah that's powerful Second Ahsoka episode, we obviously jumped to episode five. So they did these chronologically. Now we're seeing the Ahsoka in front of the Jedi Council doing a test. This apparently is a test that all Jedi or those who would be Jedi need to pass, and she's doing just fine. And her master has a different perspective on what's important. And that seemed to me really interesting and worthy of discussion any goodwill that i had built up with anakin in in some of the episodes of the clone wars we talked about got flushed down the toilet with with this like you are such a big bitch like just you don't care about anybody but yourself you're selfish like you're all the awful things we all think about you that lead to you becoming darth vader like just you suck 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 that's all i thought about him through this whole 12 minutes you you and i have very different perspectives on this this is gonna be good this is i won't say that i side with jeff but i'm definitely not on your side on this one Dave. <laughs> so there's the value judgment of you suck what is it what are the specifics of uh this well, is like, he can't be that... bothered he can't be bothered to show up on time to watch his to watch his padawan take this test he seems really uninterested and indifferent when they're when they're talking about it in the room and I, I, I'm not a teacher. I have taught, but I am not a teacher. But I know a lot of people who are wonderful teachers, and I'm pretty sure none of them are like, how do I harm you the most to build you up the most? It's like, those are 
allowing your students to to be put in horrible situations to see them thrive like that doesn't make you a good teacher it makes you might make you a hogwarts headmaster but it doesn't make you a really good teacher <laughs> this it's a, uh, one i understand exactly where you're saying where you're going there second i i don't know why they have them show up late aside from to say anakin and the council as we see throughout the show just are on different pages in terms of what's important to them and i think they wanted to do a fun because because they always it seems like they always try to show a personality type or whatever parallels between anakin and ahsoka so i think they did that so then later they could have her be late and i didn't realize that or i thought i was on time or whatever the the sure. line is they they did exactly the same thing so the, that's also my guess with that I, I didn't particularly think that worked either but um That'd be my guess. We we will talk more about this when we get to Andor and borrowing from really great moments in other films. But I was super moved by how they did this because two of my favorite movies are referenced in its Edge of Tomorrow and The Matrix. They are they are stealing without apology from those two films, it seemed to me, in the Ahsoka training montage portion, specifically Edge of Tomorrow. Um, in Edge of Tomorrow, which I recognize by both the look on your faces, you haven't fully invested in. But let me Dude, say, I still again. haven't seen it. <laughs> I haven't bought you the Blu-ray. Oh no! Yet. I was just say <laughs> I'm aboard. Have you seen? I just had no idea what what line you were going to draw here. The yeah. where now I know I get it. I'm on board. There is so for me, Edge of Tomorrow is arguably the best science fiction movie of the last decade. I th- just I think it's phenomenal. Very rewatchable. And um, if you were able to set aside your Tom Cruise bias, I think there's no reason not to present I, this. I like something. Emily Blunt so much. I think that'll overpower my dislike. It of, will. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. no I know. She, I, it's, yeah. She's amazing. She in it. is amazing. In it. The, the, that sort of image of again, 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 again is something that they just rip right from Edge of Tomorrow. And But also lots of other, like, those moments Especially in fight training montages yeah. yeah and and that's great and i love i mean it's it's in so many boxing movies where yeah. you know somebody gets the crap kicked out of them and they say get up and run it again or, or just and I, I love those moments so i i think that ends up being there's going to be some of us who have a strong attraction to this sort of atmosphere and a lot of us who have a strong repulsion to this sort of atmosphere of the drill instructor, the coach, whoever it is who is battle-hardened and saying, I'm going to break, I'm going to push you as hard as I possibly can in this room because I know what it's like out there. And I don't, and you got, you, I suppose there's something worth saying here about, for me, if you're going to fight the fight at all, I want to be strong enough in that room as opposed to getting my ass kicked on the battlefield. Like if I if I chose to go into battle, I really want the experience in the room to be as nasty, brutal, and hard as it possibly can be such that the battlefield is easy. I don't want the battlefield to be difficult. But that's I think there's a value judgment here because so because the drill instructor can often be the abusive ass clown from full metal jacket or the the high school football coach that we didn't like 
and I don't know what to do there, but that's what this scene seems like to me. And obviously, there's lots to say about what this scene represents in future moments in these characters' lives. So anyway, you got thoughts? I don't necessarily have a problem with that part of this episode once she gets into the training and it kind of seems like she starts to choose that a little bit as well with Rex. This is just me betraying elements of my personality more than it is anything else. <laughs> like I just don't like the idea of a drill sergeant saying, I'm going to make these decisions for you. I'm like, no, I don't think uh, if I don't want to get the shit kicked out of me, that's uh, I believe I get to make that choice. Obviously I would not do well in the military. Um, Thank God it's a volunteer <laughs> army. Uh, once it gets into that and she has the autonomy to kind of choose that and she's pushing into that and you can see that connection she has with Rex that that we also know she has throughout the rest of the show. I loved those moments, but, but Anakin and his, well, this was fine. I mean, it was good enough for everybody else, but I'm actually a genius and I have devised a better plan and I'm the first person who's probably ever thought of it. You're not. So I, I have a... I have a third way that I'd like to pitch um, a, a, a different perspective that a, a lot of what I have to say uh, will be uh, I, about this show in general will be like the second part of every thought that I have is I'm really interested to know what Daniel thinks not having seen 100% of the Clone Wars mm. because the the character building that that they have done between Anakin and Ahsoka, like the, this, requires that knowledge in my mind. The the way I have seen this, you have to have the previous knowledge that they've already put out there in order to understand what's going on in these scenes with these characters. Are you saying that you need to see? real depth of affection between these two in order for the scene to work more than that even not just depth of affection but i think it is essential to know how much alike ahsoka and anakin are oh i period like they're they're be and 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 this scene this this short does like that that's the point of the uh you were late I thought I was right on like like whatever I, I don't remember those lines. The point of those parallels is that Ahsoka and Anakin are so, 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 so much alike. And they make different decisions when it comes down to it. Like like when when the rubber meets the road, when when the shit hits the fan, Anakin chooses fear and Ahsoka doesn't. And and that's that's the place where their paths diverge. But well, up until that point, they're so 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 much alike. And Anakin, yeah, he's kind of a dick about it. But <laughs> but as as someone who recognizes the greatness that is in Ahsoka, he also knows that who gives a crap about this test that just shows that you're just like every other Jedi. You need to take to face a real test because this is not teaching you anything and 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 like yes he's not very nice about it but but the 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 trial that he puts her through is something that he knows that she needs to actually make her better like like it's it's it doesn't mean anything if you get really good at playing minesweeper on a computer (laughs) when the job that you're trying to do is find mines in the ground 
And and that's kind of his point. Is like like the Jedi have set up this system and this is the test that every Jedi takes. But this test is meaningless in the real world. And if you want to learn to be better, which I know you do because you're just like you're me. Right. Then then you need an actual test. I, I don't disagree with anything that you're saying. I just don't like Anakin. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> I, tr- I truly, I, everything you said, I'm like, yep, t- mm-hmm, uh-huh, yep, agree mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> I just don't like Anakin and don't like the way he does it. But I also think like the, like there there's so much, almost older brother-ish, like it, the, their relationship is so much deeper than than just mentor-mentee or even, sure. like, like the drill sergeant comparison I think is super unfair because of the knowledge that we have of what their relationship is. Yep. And you see, I, I've, I have, um, the episodes we are about to start recording of, of this next arc, I have watched. So I feel like you, I feel like in the first arc, we see a lot of him actually really caring for her, but I feel like there's a lot mm-hmm. more episodes in the arc we're about to record where you see him being a little more flippant and dismissive and unkind to her that you see more of in this particular episode. And I just don't care for that. Sure. It, it literally is nothing more than that's not how I thrive <laughs> if I have to learn things. Sure. So I really just don't, I really just don't like it, which is, which is right. like genuinely a stupid reason not to like something is just because, but it, the character doesn't always work for me of Anakin. Yeah. Anakin's kind of a dick sometimes. There, I, I, just to push into TJ's specialty for a second, there is a, if we read into Anakin's personality, a very high sensitivity about what might go wrong in the future. Mm-hmm. They're clearly using that in this episode because we see parallel images of Ahsoka failing at things that she'll succeed in later on where there's life and death right. consequences. So that right. like this, this obviously isn't new to us. The, the images here are paralleled in the siege of Mandalore and in some of the more important moments. And there's also that undercurrent, obviously, that in some ways Anakin has instigated uh, the the clones turning on the Jedi, and <laughs> lo and behold, he also trained his Padawan unknowingly to overcome such situations. Yeah, I think that, like, this is... This is a big part of what he is doing in this space. Like, like um, his, his whole... Like like his devotion to the way of the Jedi is is not about the the way that things are done. It's not about about like following their their rules and and making sure that 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 you do things the way that that everyone has told you to do them and and all of this. Like Anakin is sort of constantly pushing against what seems like the the established norms to try and figure out what's the right thing in this scenario especially especially considering the the space the the context in which we find him entering the Jedi order things are kind of nuts and and there's <laughs> there's like this is he he is coming in during the breakdown of of the 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 established norms and he is part of challenging them and pushing against and saying the way that we used to do things may not be working anymore and we need to to do things well we need to do things right we need to come at this from a different angle instead of having robots that that do no harm maybe we should put them into real life scenarios where there's a bunch of actual people 
who are making decisions involved in this trial and 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 putting people through through challenges that are actually going to be challenging like like you can learn all the moves to beat the computer that's that's a thing that we we understand that already because we are living through that you can learn the moves to beat the computer but when another person is the one holding the gun the the circumstances are just different and Anakin recognizing that that like the old way may not be the best way is pushing against and 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 especially as someone who has authority over Ahsoka and his job, his whole job as someone who has a Padawan is to make her into an, a successful Jedi master. Like his whole job with her is to teach her how to gain control of her powers and to make her better so that she can be a successful an adult. To build on that, it's even it goes even one step further that he's terrified of the people he loves dying Mm -hmm. and that's coming out in how aggressive he's being in these scenes it seems to me absolutely yeah yeah he he uh as as a jedi with a padawan his job is to make her an adult as anakin skywalker he pushes everyone in his in his life that he cares about because he he's terrified of them dying or living in the desert. Like that's that's a thing that he just doesn't want to ever see happen and and he very much loves Ahsoka. Very much. He may not ever say it or show it that well, but the he he loves her and wants her to live. Well, that's what I was as I was listening to you, I'm both of you. I'm agreeing with again agreeing with everything that's being said here, but it's just one of those things where I'm like, "Yes, I believe that Anakin loves Ahsoka." He just he just doesn't treat her well. He's he's yeah. he's very he he can be really flippant and dismissive and disrespectful of her in in ways that I really don't think she deserves, and that bothers me. I think the big brother element for me is what mm-hmm. is comes in there. Yeah, there's the the jerk who's overseeing you as the football coach. For whatever reason, I don't have a big brother, so I can't speak to this. But I suppose that's what I read into that is that there's like a understanding that we're blood and therefore the rules are different is how I read that. But I think we we see that with Anakin uh, throughout his uh, pre Vader uh, stories like the like the the stuff that we see with him, like he only has one blood relative, period. Yeah. And everyone that he actually bonds to he develops a very 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 close relationship with and by that i mean all three people he's very very close to ahsoka padme and obi-wan yeah and and obi-wan is like a brother and and their their relationship is very much brother it is he is he is deferential to uh mace windu Mm -hmm. to yoda to to these other uh, Jedi Masters. He's deferential to uh, Palpatine and and some of the senators that that he interacts with, but he is a brother to Obi Wan, and he is a brother to Ahsoka. Like the 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 relational connection there is so intense and so important to understanding how how he interacts, how he leads Ahsoka is like a big brother. Yeah, that's, I suppose that's how I read it also. And we might throw Qui-Gon in there as well. 
as somebody who he loved and who died. Did he get time to do that? I feel like yeah, it, I I I would I would more call uh, Qui Gon like like the the uncle. It's uh, it's Obi Wan's dad. Obi Wan's dad died, <laughs> but that's it. Obi Wan is the brother. I think they want to parallel Obi Wan's connection to Luke Skywalker. There's about as much time spent there with those Agreed. two as there is between Qui Gon and Anakin. I don't know what that looks like. We've talked about that in terms of the one who finds you, takes you out of a horrid condition, and says to you, you have what it takes, kid. And yeah. then that person dies. And whether or not that's... That just feels like... Anyway, just, just to say there's there's a relationship there that... And Anakin's way of being in the world is not um, sunshine and rainbows. People I love die. <laughs> They're killed by people who are wicked and have skills. If you don't have the skills to crush your enemies and pound them to sand, then you're going to die and I'm going to be lost again. And so I'm going to push you as hard as I possibly can in this moment. And that's how it's going to I'm going to be as truly disrespectful to you as I can because that's what the world is, is like. It, I'm helping you. Is it disrespectful? <laughs> I don't know that it comes out of disrespect. Sure, maybe it doesn't come out of that, but I think there are definitely moments where, and, and you go back and listen to this podcast, I continue to talk about that with the way he talks to Obi-Wan and the way he talks to Ahsoka. Sure, like you can be an older brother and a big brother, but then you can also be a shitty older brother sure. or a mm-hmm. shitty younger brother. And, and that's how, and there are moments where that's really how he treats. One, <laughs> so this is unfortunately the place that they have to be. One, Anakin's going to become a terrible person. Right. So, yeah, yes. <laughs> on the flip side, I suppose it's for, for me, um, so much of what I love about their relationship and some of the best Star Wars beats and moments end up being the Ahsoka Anakin moments end up coming out of that big brother. Um, we have yelled at each other louder than, you know, we have with anyone else in our lives. You know, those sorts of relationships, I think the depth of relationship there is powerful. And and for me, this episode did nothing but build that. So, Well, I don't disagree with that either. I just didn't, I just don't care for it. Like, like it's, here's the thing. It's this episode and all the stuff, it's doing its job. I'm watching it and I'm emotionally engaged and I'm having a strong reaction to it and I'm never bored. So it's like, it's succeeding. This is not criticism in the sense of, I hate this. It's just it's just criticism, and I, I have a, I have a very strong emotional reaction to this kind of stuff, which is what you want from a story you're watching. So I mean, it's it's succeeding. I just think Anakin sucks. There you go. I think that's I think that's worthwhile. I suppose it's the case if it's the case that there's mixed reactions to a character who is meant to produce mixed reactions. Yeah. Mission uh, accomplished. Win. <laughs> the yep. only second thing yep. I want to say here is <laughs> they never tell you why Ahsoka adopts a second lightsaber in all of the Clone Wars. Just one day she's got a second lightsaber. And they sneak. You know it how in Roger it. Rabbit he says that when they ask him why they do things, he said sometimes we do it because it's funny. I kind of feel like that's this is like because it's cool. Well <laughs> like she looks awesome and two of them is better than one. See until this episode, I would fully agree with that. So <laughs> as it stands, they don't show her getting a second lightsaber, but there is a motive for getting a second lightsaber. I can't defend myself when I'm surrounded 
by men with guns without a second blade. Mm-hmm. And so that is just snuck in there. It's They never show her getting the second lightsaber. It's just all of a sudden it moves from one to two. And then when she has two, she's, she's you know, putting people down. Which I think is great storytelling. Because I think were there a scene where she decides or somebody says to her, you know, if you had two of <laughs> right. these, you could do more. Oh, my God. We know we know that she's a genius. Yep. Obviously, she worked through all that stuff, and I think it's I think it's perfect. That was my take. I yeah, don't know that I have anything there. else on this episode. It ends obviously with showing scenes from Siege of Mandalore, which I think is a top three Star Wars movie, and I, all that ends up being really depthy. I thought. Anything, yes. Anything from you, Teach? Nope. <laughs> Last episode. <laughs> And I know how much of a fan both of you are of Superman, but it felt like a Superman episode to me. This person has immense powers. They're set in a space where they're hiding. They can't show their powers. And that was, you know, the sort of stuff that you see in Man of Steel, stuff that you see in some of uh, the Christopher Reeve stuff is I felt like what they were, they were using that and saying and putting that into Ahsoka. Um, we can talk about mm-hmm. retcons and, and books here in a second, but just to talk about the episode itself, um, it, 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 what did you take away from this that, that last episode? Yeah, and, and to that point, like even thinking specifically about the difference between the way they showed Ahsoka in this village and uh, Obi-Wan on yeah. Tatooine. Like, like you, you buy that Ahsoka is hiding. Like... With with Obi Wan on Tatooine, like yeah, he's hiding obviously, but you're just waiting for him to use his powers. With Ahsoka, you feel like she is, like if if anyone figures out, she's in serious danger. Right, they're sending assassins, and 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 there there's there's a little bit like the the. The, the story feels less te- telegraphed mm. and also getting the message across clearer at the same time. Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that. That moment when she you're you're impatient for for Kenobi and Kenobi for him to use the force and do something mm-hmm. whereas yeah. yeah, with this when she finally does use the force to save to to prevent all those hay bales from falling on that woman, I was it shocked me and then I immediately got nervous. Never really felt those things in in some of those moments in Kenobi, but yeah. super well, well done. And, in and, this. and part of what what happened in Kenobi is it, it it sort of reignited for me the internal debate about what happened in uh, Last Jedi and and the the idea of cutting yourself off from the Force. Uh. Is that what Obi Wan did? Did he did he actually struggle to tap? back into that because he had been, he had intentionally cut himself off if so they never show that to us well and and with ahsoka it's like she she's not cut off she's hiding i i think that's a great call because it goes to a uh, kenobi and ahsoka are two very different characters with two mm-hmm. very different ways of coming to their spirituality and I never get the sense that Ahsoka distrusts the Force. Agreed. And that, that I think that is a show don't uh, show don't tell kind of moment in that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas Luke and does. and it also 
Yeah. And and Obi-Wan and does. Li- and right. it's a like there there's a show don't tell about the fact that Ahsoka, unlike Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi, recognizes that the force is not the Jedi's. Yeah. Jedi's use the force. Right. And and the Jedi Order is a thing that was built on top of something that already existed. And and she she is spiritual, not religious. Right. Right. You know? It it also I think there's a total lack of selfishness in the character of Ahsoka versus I think there's a lot of selfishness in the reasons mm. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker Especially walk Luke, away from yeah. this thing of this thing didn't go yep. the way I wanted it to go and something bad happened to me and I'm disappointed. Right. All things I totally understand as a human being, <laughs> so I'm not condemning. But um whereas whereas Ahsoka, it's more I have to go because this is gonna have lots of this is going to ripple out and have lots of other bad effects. I'm not going to leave this whole thing, but I'm going to remove myself from these situations. Whereas Kenobi and particularly Luke have a, well, I'm upset and the game didn't go the way I wanted. So I'm taking my toys and I'm going to, I'm going to head out to the desert. Mm -hmm. I think this is, so to speak personally for a second, like it's one of the reasons that the Ahsoka character matters so much to me. I say matters, not just, Oh, she really resonates with me. The so some of you will know like I worked as a pastor for fifteen years. I just love the hell out of the Jesus tradition. So many things I want to affirm and think are beautiful. And there there are very few things in contemporary American Christianity that don't make me want to vomit all over. <laughs> and just the thing that I resonate with on this front is she has that gear. And I know what that's mm. like. Like if somebody mm. were to say it's time to shift into exercising these muscles, like I got these muscles that I, I haven't used for many years because I haven't been doing church work for a while. But that's what I saw in, in her. It's like she's connected. She's self-actualized. She's super mature. She's in a place of kind of meditation and waiting and sometimes like patience and waiting in these sorts of situations is really difficult but when it's go time man she's gonna disarm someone who looked real intimidating to me with (laughs) and she didn't have a weapon and uh, he he was voiced by clancy brown for god's (laughs) sake you know that character's here to wreck some shit evoking uh like like i had a split second where i i forgot the timeline and i was like is that is that is that is that gonna be what's his name i did too no i i saw him tweet about it that doesn't work and i thought that he tweeted a screenshot of the character and i was like is he back right i don't know what Uh, you were first name general savage savage oppress oh i was thinking grievous oh oh oh, because i wasn't thinking about clancy brown i was thinking about uh yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah. yeah. This apparently, I think I read this, uh, this is an Inquisitor named the Sixth Brother. Uh-huh. Yeah. Didn't last very long. <sighs> the Inquisitors. Mm. <laughs> well, there's a seventh. Could have been so great. Could have been so great. They were in the cartoons. They were great in the cartoons. Well, yeah. you didn't like the Inquisitors in general? Or are you talking about the Kenobi? In Keno- he yeah. didn't like the Kenobi. Oh, yeah, Kenobi. Yeah, the way they handled the Inquisitors and yeah. Kenobi is agreed. Foolish. Uh, and again, had some potential. Uh, we'll we'll mention this elsewhere, but it's a Rolling Stones concert. 
the way they did Kenobi. Yep. So you're yep. you're trying to play the hits and you just don't. It's not fresh, man. You'd, so the uh, as as a as a nice transition, this this actually taps into I think one my my big complaint about this material. So I I. I really liked Tales of the Jedi. I, I, I thought it was visually amazing. And the stories that they're telling in this show are, are really interesting. And they're giving us depth and blah, blah, blah. But if you don't have previous knowledge of what Star Wars is, what is this show? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's several vignettes that you don't understand. And by the way, they're broken up. Like it, it's Maybe. Like, like clearly this is two, three story arcs that don't have that aren't connected to each other, but one of them is happening in the middle of the other one. And why, like, who are these people and why do you care? Why is that guy deleting an archive? Yeah. Why is, why are they doing this, this training simulation anyway? Wait, who's, who, what, who's, who died? Who, who's this funeral for? Who's, is it the, the person that died in the other arc? that they were talking about like it is is it that other jedi lady like if you don't have the knowledge that you need from the clone wars then these stories they don't make any sense i would agree with that yeah this does yeah. presuppose a level of engagement that i don't know if everybody's got i i suppose right. i'm here for it one and two there's something about comic book culture that it feels like this is how comic book culture works it's like we're gonna slide sure. in this story but right. i mean yeah but but i hear you but it, it this this leans so hard on previous knowledge that i like like solo yeah we're we're brought into solo because we love Han Solo and we have all of this previous information but if you're watching solo with literally zero context all of it still makes sense it would make better sense if you had the previous knowledge but it still makes sense but there's still enough stuff yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, I i feel like there's there's too much references in this show as a whole that that like it it doesn't exist without the previous media. That might be something worth having a conversation about in terms of like I want more depth. I don't want just mm-hmm. everything in pop culture to be consumable in two hours. So sure. this really worked for me because I'm invested in the universe. And so if it's written for the niche audience, you know, kind of so be it. Uh, like right. I think. I think good stories can do both, right? Like Better Call Saul is a some of the, I mean, Jeff. You and I've talked about this a bunch. Like some of the best television of yep. the last of the last ten years, um, and it's amazing if you've seen Breaking Bad. So so I loved it, but my parents have never watched a minute of Breaking Bad, and they have seen everything but the last season of Better Call Saul, and they have totally understood it. Yep. They've bought in. They've loved the characters. They love the world. Um, I did say you should go watch Breaking Bad before you watch the final season of Better Call Saul. Truth. It'll be a lot. It'll be a lot richer, and you'll also be able to without having a lot of things spoiled. But um, I, I think really good television and really great storytelling juggles both. You can jump in being fully steeped in the world, and it's all the richer. But you can also jump in because it's something you're hearing people talk about, and you're excited to see it, and not not be stumped. And when when you're writing something into an existing 
universe, you have to do it like the, like there has to be some balance and you have to do it in a way that doesn't overwrite what already exists. Like th- this is this is one of the things about like current the the prequel phenomenon that's happening that that is really problematic it's like like if you're writing something into an existing property then then not only do you have to be telling a story that's worth telling and can exist on its own but you can't also be doing things that change the future story which is my one huge complaint about obi-wan kenobi is that like like how did leia and obi-wan have this adventure when she was 10 and we have literally no mention like it, it changes the origin of the first movie that, oh see we had a conversation yeah. about that i don't think that that's true but i i yeah that we would have to have to fight about this if <laughs> <laughs> because i'm i'm this is uh, anyway i actually don't care enough to argue about it so that's fine <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to um, concede to that point yeah but but like like this this property and and I really enjoyed it. I I I'm here for it. I've seen all of the Clone Wars and all of 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 Rebels and I've seen all of the movies and I I'm I'm invested. I'm in. I I liked the stories that they were telling, but it it really stood out to me that like how much of this material requires previous knowledge. Two things. For for me, one that's a virtue in this particular instance two for on the uh, i think i'm with daniel on this that i thought the relationship between kenobi and and leia actually made the message much more meaningful for me in terms of retconning mm-hmm. but we do need to bring up retconning because this was the buzz on the twitters and oh my I, God. I would be I'd be curious. So apparently, I have not finished the Ahsoka novel. Unfortunately, even though she's my favorite character, I'm just I'm such a bad fiction reader. The reading is boring, though. So. <laughs> it's for chumps. It's fiction. I just can't do fiction. I read the hell out of nonfiction. David McCullough should have written the Ahsoka book. It would have been amazing. <laughs> it, I I'm here for it, man. I actually that's a three person joke. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> there i i also i i want to say so my wife is uh one of the premier scholars in the country on on queer history and so i'm very familiar with lgbtq uh issues in contemporary society and i do understand that representation really really matters in pop culture and when you apparently Again, because I haven't read the novels, you know, take something away from the fan base on that front that they may have said this was really important to me. I think that matters. I, For whatever reason, I was reading the stuff on Twitter in terms of a queer character that was taken out, apparently, of this last episode of Tales of the Jedi. And at the same time, I watched Andor, the first six episodes, just in the last two days. And they have a what I thought was a very well-constructed, beautifully presented queer relationship in Andor. And both of these, it was, on one front, there may have been a subtraction. On another front, I I would long for the, and obviously I'm not part of the queer community, I have a queer child, and I just told you what my wife's job is, but you need to fight for bigger ground than a character in a book. 
mm-hmm. you got to fight for something that's meaty and upfront. It should have been, I imagine the three of us would agree, it should have been Finn and Poe if you're going to go there. But even with the stuff that they do in Andor, which they haven't, uh, to my knowledge, fully told that tale yet because the two characters are still alive. So there may be more to be told there, but like broader, more thick ground, I think in terms of representation needs to be established. And so I was, I understand that retconning books can be problematic with people who have the power of Disney plus, you know, and presenting visuals. But for me, that was where I kind of landed. And obviously, again, I haven't read the book, so I wasn't as attached to, to fictional characters there. But do you all have any thoughts on that and then we'll get to Dooku? I, I do. Uh, this, is, this is actually something my um, uh, <laughs> friend of the podcast and uh, sibling for my entire life, my brother Josiah, uh, and I talk about a lot right now just with, with retconning things because of the Marvel Universe or, or, or pick something, right? Um, I do think... <sighs> There's a difference between a book, there's a difference between a TV show, and there's a difference between a movie. That sounds like a simplified, stupid statement. Obviously, we know that. But I think things work in film that don't work in television, that don't work in books, and changing that... I think you just have to understand that's how storytelling works. You need, content has to dictate form, as Stephen Sondheim said, and and you can't sometimes make all of those things work. But that book is still there. You can still go read that book. So pe- people just have this attitude of like, well, they didn't include thus and such from this uh, She-Hulk comic book, and therefore the whole thing is ruined, or this this destroyed that, or whatever. You know, you can still go read that Ahsoka book. You can still go read any of the She-Hulk comic books. I don't think it's this intentional, disrespectful choice. Like, I don't think... I don't know what you're talking about with the particular Ahsoka character, unfortunately, but I would strongly guess it wasn't like a, we don't want this character in this thing. It was probably a, does, is there room for this in this nine minute story that we're telling? I was looking for this everywhere and I couldn't find it. I don't know if this is a Tom Bombadil issue where it's not that they've changed the story. It's that <laughs> you just, it's, you can't put it on screen. Yeah, it's just that it hasn't been told on screen so yeah. i i was i really wanted to see more of that because people if you retcon something you are intentionally subtracting but tom bombadil is a different situation tom bombadil is a character in the lord of the rings that didn't appear in peter jackson's trilogy who was very important to a lot of people the so anyway i didn't know where this character fell but but again, yeah, I, I guess just my opinion on it is sometimes it doesn't work for that particular story and it gets cut. It's not right. uh, it's not done maliciously or cruelly, I would assume, most of the time. Right. Sometimes it just doesn't work. But again, that thing you love, the Lord of the Rings books are still there. The Harry Potter books are still there. These, these Star Wars legacy novels, they're all still there. So just because they're not in the movie that you're watching on Disney+, Plus, it doesn't take anything from you so i don't understand i don't always understand the uproar yeah the, the move from print media to visual media sometimes is is tricky like go read all the stephen king novels and then just see what they look like on film 
that guy writes dialogue that is unfilmable. <laughs> uh, do you have thoughts, TJ? Yeah, I have thoughts. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this is the very first time that I've heard anything about this. I don't, I don't, I have literally no idea what y'all are talking about, and. Uh, I fully agree that representation matters and there's things and, and blah, blah, blah. Like I, I'm, I'm on board with um, let's have more and more and more and more LGBTQ characters on screen. We need to see that. We need to see it normalized. We need to see it shown and not talked about. We need to see these things woven into our media. I fully agree with that. And I have no idea what this is about and I don't care. Because there, like, <laughs> the, in there's T-pot. not an erasure here, right? To yeah. me, because because it's a nine minute episode, and and if it if there's a necessary queer relationship or character that is being cut out of this, I mean, they, I I I I don't I don't I, know what they're I talking about. It's the case. You're right on this. That perhaps it's the case that it's the nature of Twitter that it's hard to be moderate in stating an opinion and yes. saying this yeah. really matters to me. This was kind of secondary. This is tertiary, but I wanted to bring it up. And that that you know, one of the problems with progressive culture is this: that everything is a five alarm fire, and it's like right. like you'll get a lot more for your energy if you if you have weight behind things that really matter and things that don't matter. Well, it also starts to feel like some of the properly big things that progressive people have gone after, a lot of those things are starting to get rightfully beaten down or, or, or taken away or whatever. So now 24-7 rage has to continue yeah. to be fueled. So now we've all started to police each other and hold each other to try to pass these purity tests that no one even fully knows exactly what they yeah, are the and target when happening. Is not clear. Man, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a, it's a bunch of people with pitchforks trying to go after the monster, but if you've tripped with that crowd of the pitchforks, now you're the monster and yeah. they're going to turn around and come after you. And almost like the monster is a little bit Spartacus too. <laughs> and I, but I saw the same Twitter, I saw the same gif that you're referencing, though, Jeff, where it's like, like a Grim Reaper type character with like a bloody sickle going yeah. after all these different, and I was like, okay, that seems a bit extra. <laughs> I have no idea what they're talking about with those other properties. Yeah, I th- I did, those, I, those didn't mean anything to me, but like, yeah. I do understand the Kanan Jarrus side of things, and that's like, man, that's a deep cut once we're getting into the Kane Jarrus backstory, but, but also like, do you want to watch just exactly the same story that was in a book play out on screen? I don't like there, there are comic books that I have yeah. read that I've loved that I don't need to watch the film version of it play out. Cause I know exactly what's going to happen. And don't you want to watch a different new story told yeah. by some of the best people in the business, regardless. It's easy to go after Disney cause they're Starbucks so, because they're Walmart, you know, like, but they, yeah. but, Star Wars is is new. Let me tell you, as a as somebody who is actually a scholar of mythological literature from the first century, I thought you were going to say somebody who's actually a scholar, <laughs> unlike these two dipshits. <laughs> there are four tellings of the life of Jesus, and if you want to go down the path 
of finding discrepancies. They're there to be found because you have four different authors with four different agendas. And I can tell you all about their agendas and why they're writing what they're writing at the time they're writing. And you lose the meaning, purpose, value, depth, beauties. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, it's the it's the naturalistic fallacy of cutting everything to pieces. C.S. Lewis says something to the extent of, the naturalist stands in front of the ocean and says it's only so many billions of gallons of cold salt water. That's what this is. If you just cut everything apart, you know, in those sorts of ways, find the, find the beauties in the myth. It's a myth and it's the myth of our age. And it's worth, it's, it's, it's worth finding the heart behind the, the tellings, you know, even like, like George Lucas, Dave Filoni, they don't own these properties anymore. They're your properties. That's part of why people are screaming about so much in Star Wars is like, find, anyway, I could talk about this for years and I'm not going to. Well, and, and I'd like to, to draw back to something I really liked about particularly this last episode and, 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 and thinking about the contrast between what she's doing in this village now and, and the village that we saw her in in episode one when she's a baby. That, that, that the, the, it was so nice to see like this, this group of people and, and their cultural history and like they live in this village and they have this thing where when she's at, after one, they take her on this hunt. Like there's there's an elder woman there, and like there, there's you're you're seeing a culture represented, and it's it's quick. It's like here's these really necessary pieces to show you that these people had a culture, and we're not going to talk about their backstory. We're just going to show you a little tiny bit to to point out that they have a culture, and then fast forward twenty years and. This is not a cultural people. These are, are slaves on a farm, essentially. And and there's different races represented. There's there's her people, but there's also uh, more much more human types and like there's droids helping them. And and the contrast between sort of a a pre imperial control and a post imperial control, where this group of people is now n- like homogenous in a way that they were not before and the point of this story is is to showcase a handful of things we need to know that there are people who are not on board we need to know that there are people who are on board and we need to know that everyone's in danger Mm -hmm. and that ahsoka is hiding and they do not have a lot of time to do those really 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 important things yeah you had nine minutes to do all that having having a whole other relationship in there like again i i still don't know what this is about but i'm imagining that like like maybe in the book ahsoka lived on this farm with a woman that's part that's yeah that's that's fine and i like like maybe we'll revisit that when we have time to actually show her on this farm but it's 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 like the beats are so quick because we have to get through a lot of really important material in a very short amount of time because we need to get this character from this point to this point. We don't have time to give a whole backstory yeah. and show what a day is like in the life of Ahsoka hiding on a farm. It's it's like there's a guy who's 
messing around and somebody almost dies and Ahsoka saves her and then the guy turns her in and that's it. That's it. That's all we get. So, yeah, would I like to have more? Would I love to see her in a relationship with a woman? That'd be great. But that's that's not what this story was for. And I suppose if it's the case that you're only spending 15 minutes on such a relationship, that in itself would be another offense. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're if you're going to tell that story, give it some breath, give it some room, give it some stakes. Right. Yeah. right. Well, and that was the complaint. In there's there's you see the two women who are in the relationship in um, in season is seven. It Return of the well, no, I was going to say in Return of the Jedi. Or not sorry. Uh, no, it's Rise of it's, Skywalker. Uh, Rise, of Skywalker. Yeah. Rise of Skywalker. You like they, they tease. You know, they kind of unfairly, I think. There's there's a gay couple. I think they unfairly like, cool, baited they that once. community. Yeah, and, and said, hey, guys, you're going to see some representation. And we're like, here it is. These two characters, you don't even know what their names are. No. And yeah. Here's the, some peanuts. Yeah, that's so. that feels so disrespectful. To to use a, a loaded term, that's some back-of-the-bus bullshit is what that is. Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and that, I, I if... If I was in that community, I would feel offended, yeah. and and rightfully, and they rightfully were. The, but I also think this 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 would all be in a year. We're going to get an Ahsoka series, and we have no idea what's right. going to be in that. And I think to mm-hmm. assume it it feels like fan cultures of things have just predetermined that everything they love is going to intentionally be destroyed by people who are intentionally trying to hurt them. Um, before the story even comes out, like you know, Harrison yeah. Ford just gets cast as Agent Ross in 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 Marvel, and everybody's losing their minds because it should have been this, and I bet they're going to ignore this. It's like, oh my god, just calm down. You don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. Just make it, watch it, then decide if you hate it. Uh, I just to wrap this, the I think they've already set the seeds and planted for Ahsoka to be a bisexual character. And Ahsoka is my favorite character. I'm fully on board with that. They did it with the Martez sisters and the, mm-hmm. the arc that they did in season seven of the Clone Wars. If you see that with Trace and Rafa, there's a, there, there seemed to me to be the, the story of character that it's, it appears was in the book is very similar in my mind to what they have with, I, I believe her name was Trace, who was the younger of the two Martez sisters. And there's there's affection there, there's uh, attraction there. And, you know, the, I, I think that it's again showing, not telling, it's, it's probably there. And on another front, like representation matters, but on another front, they're showing it in a way that fits in this universe you know, and doesn't mm-hmm. make it, we need to, to explicitly show these two women kissing, you know, that's just, that's not, that that's not the sort of representation I think that actually has real value. Right. Right. And, and at the end of the day, is this a character about, or is this a show about Star Wars or is it sh- a show about a, a queer Jedi? Right. right. Because if if it's if it's about her being queer, that's a different show. Yeah, Game of Thrones does a great job in terms of showing sexuality in the in the lives of people, where it's very kaleidoscopic and it's not mm-hmm. just trying to. It doesn't agenda eyes sexuality. It's it mm-hmm. more normalizes the kaleidoscopic way that things are, and that seems to me like if if that's your if that's where you want to. Do things in film that seems like a a better way to normalize for 
for me. But no on that, Daniel. No, I I, I just agree. I don't really have anything to say. I'm just I'm I'm thinking through all this in my head and agreeing. But yeah, don't don't have anything to. Yeah, I'm with you. It's also the case, like, man. One of my favorite things to say is that Barack Obama in 2008 came out against gay marriage. That's how fast we're moving as a culture. That's how fast sure. we're moving as a culture. It's we are going a thousand miles an hour right now on some things, and you know, patience. <laughs> um, yep. And that's easy for me to say as a cis white male who has a twenty-year. The three of us are fine. It's easy to say. Yeah, we're not really yeah. good. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. If if you're fuming at how insensitive we are being to the to the um, circumstances of of the queer community right now, just remember we are all cis white males. Yep, and we know that. Sorry. Um, trying to, for my own part, I'm trying to pull weight. Hey, but, but but I think we are all saying, and it is very worthwhile to say, representation absolutely does matter, and and the three of us want that, the three of us champion that, the three of us have people that we dearly love who belong to all these communities, right. and we want them to be able to see themselves represented in stories. We've been saying it on this mm-hmm. podcast for forever. People deserve to see themselves in the media, and the three of us have had no shortage of opportunities for our entire goddamn lives to to have those experiences. So people do deserve those experiences, and they deserve to be rich and rewarding and not shoehorned into stories and not told quickly. Like, You know what another wise move is, Daniel? I do not. Giving us stars on, on uh, iTunes or Spotify. This is always a worthy, <laughs> wise investment of two seconds of your time you were just getting so good at that segue that was nice a few things would be more to us than you simply sharing this on your social media or giving us stars uh we we have a very small listening audience presently but we invest a ton of energy time and money in, in making this happen and uh you are you are our only hope dear listener just open your podcast app and hit the thing it's it don't you don't even need to do all this other just just push the button the only way that we end up uh, surviving is through the passion of people who actually love the content that we're producing. So any shares are deeply appreciated. Music here is, of course, by John Williams, Samuel Kim, Ludwig Goritzid, the great Kevin Kiner. And now we can add Nicholas uh, Brittle, who fantastic music going on in Andor. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. All Star Wars material is, of course, the created by the phenomenal artists at Lucasfilm and you can always connect with us on the Twitter which we've disparaged extensively today but it's been saved now so it'll be great <laughs> either that or we've been kicked off now <laughs> oh wait no he's he's getting rid of censoring right yeah they're not kicking anybody off okay, anything else snarky to say there TJ I don't think so <laughs> I want you from Mother Shed I'm good He's Daniel Mothershed. Well, you're waking up faster. (laughs) And I'm Jeff Cook. Again. 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 (laughs) Because this is the way. This is the way. (laughs) This is the way. Thank you.
You're listening to the Grand Army of the Republic broadcast, the voice of the Outer Rim. And that I was shocked. I had literally five words written down for Ahsoka. <laughs> I'm shocked that we talked that long.